It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. Tropical islands burning to the ground. What's next? How many really want to know the answer to that question? People jumped into the ocean off Maui to stay safe from wildfires. Wildfires have damaged structures, prompted rescues, and spurred people to jump into the ocean to escape danger. And it gets worse from sfgate.com. Smoking heaps of rubble lay piled high next to the waterfront. Boats in the harbor were scorched. And gray smoke hovered over the leafless skeletons of charred trees. One survivor stated, quote, it just ripped through everything with amazing speed. And then he added this, it was like a blowtorch. The following was quoted in the UK Independent. We just had the worst disaster I've ever seen. All of Lahaina is burnt to a crisp. It's like an apocalypse. That's a statement from Lahaina resident Mason Jarvie. Helicopter pilot Richard Olston told Hawaii News Now, quote, it's like an area was bombed. It's like a war zone. The 52-year veteran pilot went on to say that he had never seen a wildfire damage the islands that was even one one-hundredth as bad as this. Translation, this incineration was, in the opinion of this veteran pilot, a hundred times worse than anything he had previously witnessed. Stop, stand back, and consider that this could happen on a tropical island. What's wrong with this picture? Though there are always those that would say, quote, it happens, just nature, which is the same excuse that far too many have tried to give in regard to the 30 million acres that have already incinerated in Canada this year alone, a similar amount in Siberia. And there is the incinerations in Greece, Turkey, Spain, Portugal. The list goes on and on, and it's growing by the day. And what isn't being incinerated is being deluged with record rain. Unprecedented deluges, droughts, wildfires, hail. The list goes on and on, and this is just the beginning. Hang on, we're in for a ride, as geoengineeringwatch.org said would come for the entire length of our decade and a half existence that we have been sounding the alarm at the top of our lungs. Maui residents jump into ocean to escape raging Hawaiian wildfires boosted by Hurricane Dora and atmospheric high pressure. That's from Fox News. And there's this from Fox News. Hurricane Dora approaches Western Pacific after a more than 4,000 mile trek. While keeping both of those headlines in mind, let's ask and answer key questions that should be considered, that must be considered. First, about the up to 80 mile an hour winds that helped facilitate the incineration of Lahaina, they weren't just from Hurricane Dora to the south. As the Fox News headline admits to, there was also an extremely strong dome of high pressure to the north of Hawaii. The combination of the counterclockwise rotating low-pressure system that was Hurricane Dora and the clockwise rotating winds around the high-pressure dome to the north, in effect, creates a wind tunnel in the region between the two opposite rotating pressure systems. Hawaii was a bullseye in this wind tunnel corridor. And about Hurricane Dora's extremely long, uninterrupted trajectory, could Hurricane Dora have been suppressed with climate engineering operations if they had chosen to do so. 
let's consider some factors in that equation. Do patented hurricane suppression technologies exist? Yes. Are there examples of those technologies likely being utilized in regions where they do not want cyclones to spin up to strength and destroy infrastructure? Yes. Is there an anomalous hurricane drought in the vicinity of oil pumping platforms in the record warm Gulf of Mexico? Yes. That's a stunning example of their ability to suppress or steer around these platforms, cyclonic rotations. They've been spared again and again and again. That's not nature. It's climate engineering. And I'm not advocating for these platforms to be wiped out. I'm simply pointing out that they have this ability. It exists. The technology is clear. Why is it used under some scenarios and not under others? You decide. Has the U.S. military been engaged in hurricane manipulation operations since 1947 for over 76 years? Yes. Project Cirrus commenced in 1947. Is the U.S. military's involvement in weather warfare operations a verifiable fact? Yes. Project Popeye, conducted in Vietnam, is one stunning example. Climate engineering operations are fully capable of eliminating or augmenting precipitation over vast regions. To carry this question further, can extended periods of landscape drying drought be created by climate intervention operations? Again, the answer is yes. Was the region of Hawaii where wildfires just occurred experiencing extended drought? Yes. Has the U.S. military ever promoted, on the record, using wildfires as a military weapon? Yes. Search geoengineeringwatch.org, wildfires as a military weapon. Examine the 140-page U.S. military document for yourself. Does this U.S. military document specifically address years-long atmospheric operations in order to dry out a targeted region before initiating an incineration operation? Yes. Can climate engineering frequency transmission technologies, a.k.a. ionosphere heater facilities like HARP, induce an atmospheric high-pressure zone? Yes. Has the U.S. military historically viewed remote Pacific islands as a strategic location for its operations? Yes. Has the U.S. military strongly expressed its interest in utilizing the weather as a covert weapon of war? Yes. The U.S. military document title Owning the Weather by 2025 is but one glaring example. Have the global power brokers continuously expressed their interest in consolidating and culling global populations? Yes. Are other global powers in any way innocent in regard to operations like those just described? Absolutely not. All colluding and cooperating on climate engineering operations behind the curtain for their own specific agendas and objectives. We have 800-page documents at geoengineeringwatch.org expressly describing this global cooperation between otherwise adversarial nations on climate engineering because of the cross-border boundaries. Now that everything is spiraling toward total near-term collapse, has that former covert cooperation turned into yet more escalated forms of warfare between nations that are now competing for the scraps of what's left on a dying planet. Anyone that actually still believes the -the off-the-charts wildfires, droughts, and deluges all over the world are just random acts of nature needs to radically recheck their reality. There is no legitimate discussion of climate. Anything from any perspective 
without first and foremost addressing the climate engineering operations. In the geologic blink of an eye, industrialized, militarized, so-called civilization has laid waste to our formerly thriving miracle planet. And at the top of all the layers of deeply destructive human activity is climate engineering operations, a.k.a. weather warfare. Welcome to the weekly Bad News Broadcast. You're listening to the weekly installment of the commercial-free, non-political global alert news hour, the end of the world as we know it broadcast brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of global climate engineering operations, a.k.a. weather warfare. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is the only way forward in this fight. Geoengineering Watch shirts, hoodies, or our full-color printed climate engineering awareness materials can get the conversation going with family and friends. Every day counts in this all-important battle. Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Our only goal, to fully expose and halt the climate engineering assault. So, how dark is the wider horizon? Let's press on more headlines and the untold details behind them. First, are Canadian wildfires still raging? Short answer, yes. The western half of Canada is dotted with hundreds of wildfires. Many are listed as, quote, out of control, according to Natural Resources Canada, a department of the Canadian government. From the UK Guardian, Canada, generations old and new scramble to contain fires burning at record pace. How bad is that record pace? I believe it's something in the range of 16 or 17 times what's considered normal. That's 16 or 1700 percent of normal. And people are going about their lives as if nothing's wrong while the last remaining lungs of the planet are going up in smoke, forming vast smoke canopies, which are all too often being sprayed from above with ongoing climate intervention operations. And what are they spraying? We can only guess. But we know that what they're doing on top of the smoke canopies is not climate engineering. Whatever it is, it is certainly not in our best interest. More fires from phys.org. Record heat warning as forest fires rage in Spain and Portugal. From that report, Spain registered the driest start to a year in the first four months of 2023 since record keeping began. There's only so much forest to burn, and we are reaching the bottom of that equation. Before all these record wildfires this year, we had already lost about 65% of the tree cover that we had prior to the explosion of human civilization on planet Earth, 65%, and the remaining percentage of trees is dying by the day from countless causes, and so many of those causes can be traced back to climate engineering, toxifying soils, killing soil microbiome, poisoning root systems that causes them to shut down, the aluminum that's in our precipitation, we have peer-reviewed study to prove aluminum causes Roots to stop nutrient uptake, killing trees, crops from the roots up. We have climate engineering destroying the ozone layer, which is frying crops now with unbelievably intense UV radiation that anybody that's even halfway awake can feel on your skin, on surfaces, inside cars. You have to be semi-unconscious to not know this, to not feel this, to not be alarmed by this. And sadly, how many are in that state completely oblivious, glued to their electronic appendage, not looking up. This is a recipe for near-term omnicide on planet Earth, and we are hurling toward that destination now. From technologynetworks.com, this, wildfires have a bigger impact on climate 
than previously believed. Like so many other headlines I've covered on this broadcast, the inevitable and unavoidable acknowledgement from so-called academia that what's unfolding is far worse than anything we've previously been told. And even now, they're not telling us the whole truth. From this report, Department of Energy and Environmental Chemical Engineering at the McKelvey School of Engineering found that wildfires are causing a much greater warming effect than has been accounted for by climate scientists. The report says, quote, we knew there was something unusual with this material in its composition, structure, and absorption spectrum. How much can be woven into that meaning? First, the entire premise for so-called solar radiation management operations is completely flawed. That filling the sky with light scattering particles only causes a short-term temporary cooling, which is followed by an even worsened overall warming. And again, this final statement that, quote, there's something unusual with this material in its composition, structure, and absorption spectrum. Does that have something to do with the blanket grid pattern spraying that's going on above these smoke canopies? What's that really for? What is the true objective and agenda behind that? And we know an incredible amount of toxic material is coming down through that smoke canopy, material that is not just burning flora, but many other elements in that, and most of them not even being identified, let alone acknowledged, because they're nanoparticles. They're the worst and most toxic particles, and they're not even being acknowledged because by design, the so-called air testing mechanisms officially only test down to, at best, 2.5 microns, generally 10 microns, which are exponentially larger than the nanoparticles that are so harmful and that are associated with climate intervention operations. So what is the true severity of what we're being exposed to. From DWTV in Germany, extreme weather wreaks havoc in Europe. From north to south, the report says Europe is again battling extreme weather events with floods in Slovenia, wildfires in Portugal, a heat wave in Spain, and landslides in Norway. And there's this, more on the deluge side of the climate intervention operations equation. New from AP News, this example, dam in Norway partially bursts after days of heavy rain, flooding, and evacuations. We see none of this on U.S. televised matrix media. None of it. But at least in the western U.S., everything's fine now, isn't it? Many Matrix media sources told us in the spring that the Western rainpocalypse and snowmageddon eliminated the Western drought problem. No, not true. This is new from Fox News, but it's a follow-up report of the worsening water woes. Covered some of this in last week's broadcast. Here's a new report. Water issues persist at Hoover Dam and Lake Mead after historic snowfall. Extreme levels of evaporation and chemically nucleated snow. It's a result of climate intervention operations. That sublimates to a large degree. Both are part of the problem, a problem that will continue to worsen rapidly. And the so-called climate science community is starting to acknowledge the degree of sublimation that is occurring from this chemically frozen material, though they're not acknowledging the latter part of that equation. Next headline, Arizona's extreme heat is killing honeybees and melting their homes. This report states, as deadly unrelenting heat scorches Arizona, some entomologists are growing concerned about the increasing number of dead honeybees, a species vital to our ecosystem, especially food production. It's vital to the continued survival of our species, and they are collapsing, along with all 
terrestrial insects and all aquatic insects. Again, people pretend nothing is wrong. Watching football games and caught up in political theater. Nero fiddles while Rome burns, as the proverb goes. Exactly what's happening now. From the Washington Post, quote, Ridiculous heat keeps tormenting Texas with no end in sight. From Bloomberg, Texas power prices to surge 800% on Sunday amid searing heat. This is referring to last Sunday. From that report, Texas power prices for Sunday surged more than 800% as searing heat pushes demand toward record levels and strains supplies on the state grid. Electricity prices for the grid rose to more than $2,500 a megawatt for Sunday evening, up from Saturday's high of $275 per megawatt, according to data from the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. The grid operator for the area, the surplus of available power capacity on the grid versus power consumption will continue to narrow. For those that see the constant commercials now on the home generators that they paint a picture will save you from whatever's coming. Think again. The moment the natural gas turns off to fuel that generator or the moment your propane tank runs out, that generator is a useless scrap of steel. Nothing more. Steel and copper. In much of the rest of the U.S., engineered weather whack-a-mole hit and miss pop-up thunderstorms almost always with abundant hail, often massive hail, Cyclonic rotations, a.k.a. tornadoes, that are increasingly common when colliding air masses of hot and cold temperature zones are created. Weather warfare is alive and well, and much of this moisture is being swept up from the Great Lakes region. That's where they can drive that moisture further east and keep the most populated portions of the U.S. chemically cooled down. Chemical ice nucleation over this moisture that is being manipulated, and those that live in these constant cool-down zones are often completely oblivious to what's happening around the world, and that is the plan. But the world is bigger than the northeastern U.S., isn't it? Far bigger. In fact, the eastern half of the U.S. lower 48 is less than 1% of the Earth's surface area. That's hardly a snapshot of what's happening around the globe. Through it all, climate engineering cover-up agencies like the Weather Channel are doing their best to cover the tracks of the weather makers. Again, U.S. televised Matrix Media continues their campaigns of scripted political mass distraction and polarization, unfolding existential threats, near-term existential threats from around the world are unfolding and accelerating, while the majority of first-world populations remain completely oblivious, as planned by the power structure. I'll say again, Chinese news, CGTN, I believe, has 10 times better coverage of dire global events. How disturbing is that? And I'm no fan of China. But the fact that their global news coverage is exponentially better than all televised U.S. corporate media combined is truly shocking. Alarmingly and sadly, it seems increasingly likely that the majority of populations in first world industrialized nations are choosing to remain oblivious to what's unfolding and why until the moment of impact. The continued denial of the climate engineering atrocities raging in our skies is a stunning example. Biosphere collapse, on which all else depends and hinges, isn't even on the radar for the vast majority. Normalcy bias rules the day, but not for much longer. In regard to the ongoing covert climate intervention operations, let's take a moment to rewind to this 2013 report from NASA titled, quote, On the Trail of of contrails 
In that report, researchers found that contrails have an overall warming effect, acting like a blanket. The contrails are trapping more heat in the atmosphere compared to cooling from reflected sunlight. The researchers discovered that contrails produced even more significant regional warming. The report later makes reference to, quote, cloud forms that contrails may evolve into. This is what I've again covered many times on this broadcast repeatedly. The very premise for solar radiation management is flawed to the core. That the light scattering particles being sprayed into our skies create a short-term toxic cooling effect with a profoundly long downstream list of consequences and further fueling the overall warming of the planet. There is no benevolence in the climate intervention operation that the so-called climate science community continues to pretend is just a proposal that we could, may, might have to deploy someday as our final last-ditch effort to save us from ourselves. How's that going so far after 75 years and we are on the brink of near-term human extinction and we will likely take the entire web of life down with us? Next, this reminder report from 2021. Joint NASA and NOAA study, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, finds Earth's energy imbalance has doubled. From that report, researchers have found that Earth's energy imbalance approximately doubled during the 14-year period from 2005 to 2019. They continue, Earth's climate is determined by a delicate balance between how much of the sun's radiative forcing is absorbed in the atmosphere and at the surface and how much thermal infrared radiation Earth emits back into space. A positive energy imbalance means that the Earth system is gaining energy, causing the planet to heat up. How fast is it gaining that thermal energy buildup? The equivalent to seven Hiroshima bombs per second. The thermal energy, a.k.a. the heat, contained in seven Hiroshima bombs per second. So much of that has gone into the oceans. Again, a cubic meter of seawater can contain 4,000 times the thermal energy of a cubic meter of air, but the oceans are now superheating. It's being re-released back into the atmosphere. This year will be profound in that scenario due to the El Nino event. The climate engineers have tried to prolong the La Nina scenario by orchestrating upper-level wind currents, which orchestrates ocean currents. They've tried to bottle up that heat in the oceans. They can do so no more. Now we face converging scenarios that will continue to push the thermometer higher and higher. From June of this year, also from NASA, aerosols, small particles with big climate effects. From that report, in an ironic twist of climate science, air pollution caused by burning fossil fuels has a slight cooling effect on the planet. Again, they're telling only part of the story. Short-term toxic cooling at the cost of worsened overall warming, destroyed ozone layer, contaminated everything. The list goes on and on. But they continue, which is the opposite of the warming caused by greenhouse gases. But they say there's nothing beneficial about air pollution, as if we shouldn't know that, for the environment or human life. They then say air polluted by... Carbon fuels leads to the premature death of around 8 million people globally each year. Tiny particles emitted during carbon fuel combustion can be inhaled and then can cause asthma, respiratory infections, lung cancer, and heart disease. And this is only the tip of the proverbial iceberg, and the number of 8 million is radically conservative because, one, they're not counting nanoparticles. They're calling tiny particles 2.5 micron nanoparticles is an even bigger part of this equation that goes completely under the radar by design, not testing for it, not disclosing it. And those particles are elements that are so toxic, even independently, even worse when they're combined, that that triggers 
an endlessly long list of downstream degenerative diseases, all of it going under the radar. And all of this, for those that don't yet understand, it serves those in power because culling global populations is certainly on their agenda. They've been chipping away at it for decades, and now they're accelerating the equation. From phys.org, in the future, we could snuff out cyclones, but weather control comes with new risks. We already just covered some of those risks. And here we have again, the so-called climate science community pretending that someday they could, may, might, quote, snuff out cyclones when that technology has existed for many decades. It's all a grand facade. We're living in a planetary Truman show. When will more wake up to that fact? The report says, how will they snuff out cyclones by spraying desiccant particles over the tops of storms. Exactly what has been done for decades. When the weather makers don't want a specific storm to develop in a specific region or to make landfall, it won't. Another method and form of cyclone suppression that this report doesn't mention for many reasons is the ionosphere heater factor. Ionosphere heater installations like HARP, which are directional, can heat the atmosphere in the region above a cyclone. The heating causes the atmosphere to expand up and down. The downward push of compressing air pushes down on the convection of the storm, suppressing it or blowing it apart altogether. How many have stopped to ponder why that year after year in the hotter and hotter Gulf of Mexico bathwater temperature dead zone, hurricanes either don't form anywhere near the clusters of offshore oil drilling platforms or they're kept weak. And when near these platforms are often blown apart with hurricane suppression operations before the hurricanes can damage the flow of oil. Not an act of nature. Climate engineering. Remember and consider that the U.S. military first initiated its hurricane suppression programs all the way back in 1947 with Project Cirrus. How far have they come since that time? So, again, at absolute minimum, if the climate engineers don't want a cyclone to develop or make landfall, it won't. If they do, the same methods of atmospheric manipulation can also be used to augment the convection above a hurricane, creating a, quote, rapid intensification scenario, a term which we now hear all so often. This process can also be carried out over land, thus the bomb cyclone term that, again, is now the norm. From AccuWeather, severe storms turn deadly, cut power to 1 million in eastern U.S. From that storm, damaging winds and large hail, as I mentioned earlier, were widespread as severe weather erupted across the eastern United States on Monday, causing power outages and forcing the cancellation and delays of thousands of flights. With that last headline in mind, let's add this 2016 science and technology headline from uttexas.edu. Aerosols strengthen storm clouds, according to new study. Reports says aerosol particles can increase the lifespans of large storm clouds by delaying rainfall, making the clouds grow larger and producing more extreme storms when rain finally does come, according to new research. There you have it. Again, the drought deluge scenario, which is the hallmark of covert climate engineering operations. Eastern U.S., commonly a target for the deluge part of this scenario in the western U.S., for the drought part of the equation, high pressure, dome parked again over the Pacific Northwest, rotating clockwise, rotating all the moisture up and around and over the Pacific Northwest while everything underneath fries. And that moisture is then steered toward the eastern U.S. where all that we just described is occurring. Let's add this piece of the puzzle. A 2011 study from National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. NOAA study 
Increase in stratospheric aerosols has offset some recent climate warming. Again, they contradict themselves all the time, stating that the aerosols do cause an overall warming, and now this study claims it has offset some of the warming. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing in so many cases with these agencies. From this report, lacking sharp upward spikes from very large volcanic eruptions. Keep that in mind. For those that claim it's just a volcano here and there causing all this problem, they're acknowledging here that that is not the case. The authors analyzed measurements from several independent sources, satellite, and several types of ground instruments and found a definitive increase in stratospheric aerosols since 2000s. That is, again, the 10-year period from 2000 to 2010. And they state then in the report, the reasons for this 10-year increase in stratospheric aerosols aren't understood and are the subject of ongoing research. Gee, we don't know. We have no idea where all these aerosols are coming from because we can't bring ourselves to face the fact that there's giant geoengineering jets spewing them out all over our skies and the so-called climate science community can't or won't admit to the truth. The epidemic of moral bankruptcy in the planetary asylum. New from AP News, scientists look beyond climate change and El Nino for other factors that heat up Earth. From that report, scientists agree that by far the biggest cause of the recent extreme warming is climate change from the burning of carbon fuel, which includes oil and natural gas, that has triggered a long upward trend in temperatures, a natural El Nino, a temporary warming of parts of the Pacific that changes weather worldwide, adds a smaller boost. But, and this is the key part of this report, some researchers say another factor must be present. What might that be? What elephant in this equation are they alluding to that they still won't admit to, no matter how bad things get? New from MSN.com. Are you scared yet? Question mark. South American winter feels like summer with mountain temperatures above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. From that report, South America is living one of the most extreme events the world has ever seen. Unbelievable temperatures up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit or more in the Chilean Andes in the middle of winter. If that report doesn't alarm you, it should. That would be like parts of the Sierras being 100 degrees on the mountain in the middle of winter. Next, from enenews.net, lose, lose, lose. Oil-producing Persian Gulf faces extreme heat. That report, air conditioners won't be enough. One problem facing Gulf states is that most modern cooling systems increase the demand for energy from an already polluting grid, creating a vicious circle. How hot is it in the Middle East? This hot from the Washington Post, hot tub-like Persian Gulf fuels 158 degree heat index in Iran. When we're complaining here in the U.S. about 115 degree heat indexes, try 158 degrees. And we hear nothing about this on U.S. matrix media. This report states, fueled by water temperatures in the upper 90s, the Persian Gulf region is enduring a brutal combination of heat and humidity that is making it feel intolerable. In coastal Iran, on Tuesday of this week, the heat index leaped as high as 158 degrees, that's 70 degrees Celsius, a level so extreme that it can test the ability of humans to survive outside for more than a few hours. In July, this same area saw levels of up to 165-degree heat indexes. 165-degree heat index. This summer has featured unusually extended spells of scorching weather in the Middle East as zones of high pressure, known as heat domes, have sprawled across the region from North Africa 
through the southern end of Europe and South Asia. High pressure heat domes now popping up everywhere. Gee, I wonder what's going on in this equation. And when will the climate science community band together, stand up, and tell the truth? From SciTech Daily, analysis of over 7,000 reservoirs shows worldwide water reserves are depleting. Given the projected decline in water runoff, sublimation a part of that factor, and the rising water demand, the observed trend of diminishing storage returns from reservoir construction is expected to continue, potentially impacting water supplies with significant implications. These findings indicate that addressing future water demands cannot rely solely on constructing new reservoirs, emphasizing the need for novel management strategies. I confronted face-to-face Congressman Doug LaMalpa at a town hall meeting he held trying to push the proposal of raising Shasta Dam 15 feet more. And my statement to Mr. LaMalfa was, how much good will that do us when we can't generally fill the reservoir we already have because climate engineering is cutting off the precipitation, something that he and his office and his staff will now no longer admit to. In fact, they do everything they can to marginalize and discredit that issue. When at one time, his staff would call me at home on weekends to express their angst about the spring until one of their staff told me that they were told to shut up about this issue, and that's exactly what they did. They tucked tail and ran. Where is any sense of honor and virtue and morality? Gone. Next, from the UK Guardian, Antarctica's heat wave is a warning to humanity, and we have only a narrow window to save the planet. We may save some part of the planet's life support systems, but the planet we've known is done, gone, not coming back in any time frame that matters. This report says Antarctica is currently experiencing dramatic changes at unprecedented rates marked by repeated extreme events. These include circum-Antarctic summer heat waves and an autumn heat wave last year with temperatures soaring up to 40 degrees C above the average. That's about 70 plus degrees above normal. And think about that. If you were in, in Redding, California, 70 degrees above normal in summer would be 170 degrees. This is extreme and it's not being reported. Moreover, both last summer and this winter, sea ice extent has reached record low levels. These changes have happened even faster than scientists predicted. Again and again we see this. How come we knew at geoengineeringwatch.org and the whole of the so-called science community didn't know and is only now beginning to admit to this? Events in the Antarctic we have observed and cataloged and the projections from our research suggest that the window is closing fast. Too late. We've passed the point of no return. Now the question is, can we salvage anything? Next, also from the UK Guardian, virtually certain extreme Antarctic events will get worse without drastic action, scientists warn. Record low sea ice levels, the collapse of ice shelves and surface temperatures up to 35.8 sea above average, cited as concerns in new review. Just concerns? They should be panicked. Here's yet another report from the Guardian. Fears over Antarctic sea ice as Yearly ozone layer hole forms very early. Experts say larger than normal ozone hole could cause further warming of the southern ocean. There's no could, may, might, will. The more UV radiation that reaches Antarctica and the southern ocean means that there is more energy available to melt the ice. Now that we have so little sea ice, instead of reflective white ice, there is very dark blue ocean. There's a risk that the southern ocean would then heat up even more. That's a given and then indirectly melt more ice because the water next to the ice is warmer. These are the best the science community can do that they connect such simple dots that warm seawater will melt sea ice, obviously. And about the ozone hole that we've been told periodically is getting better over time, just another lie amongst 
the sea of lies that we find ourselves drowning in. From Alaska Public Media, this, Northern Alaska follows global trend with warmest July on record, melting Alaska glaciers. Next, this headline that's directly related to melting land-based ice. Remember, sea-based ice doesn't raise sea levels. It's already displacing seawater volume. But when the sea ice disintegrates, the land-based ice begins to slide off the land mass. Now we have a bigger problem. From AP News, a billion-dollar coastal project begins in Louisiana. Will it work as sea levels rise? No. Short answer on that question. Also from Alaska Public Media, Alaska harvesters and scientists share concern over black seaweed. Black seaweed is a culturally significant delicacy in southeastern Alaska, but in recent years, traditional harvesters say it doesn't look or taste right. It's difficult to find, they say. The seaweed that we have picked had a very distinct, strong smell. The harvester stated there was a discoloration, this light green color. Final statement from the seaweed harvester, quote, I felt like it had a metallic taste to it. Imagine that. With all the tens of millions of tons of toxic heavy metals raining down through our skies from climate engineering operations on top of the mountain of filth being spewed out by industrialized militarized civilization, we faced a very, very dark equation. From the San Francisco Chronicle, severe marine heat wave arriving in California from Pacific Northwest. An intense marine heat wave that had lingered offshore since May recently arrived in the Oregon and Washington coast, raising temperatures up to nine degrees above normal. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration announced that since then it has moved into Northern California, about as far south as Eureka and Humboldt County, and is getting closer to Mendocino County. The marine heat wave in the Pacific Northwest is among the largest contiguous areas in the world experiencing such unusual conditions, then they say it could wreak havoc on ecosystems and fisheries. You mean the fisheries that are already almost completely collapsed? How much further can we go? We'll soon find out. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 418, August 12th, 2023. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of covert climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on 27 AM and FM stations throughout the country. All recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. Geoengineering Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and thus our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. On that subject, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail outs don't go to the spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities. The best way to share is by circulating the free direct link to The Dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of the Dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. About reaching those that still aren't looking up, Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on our homepage. Again, our only goal, to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. There's very high quality printed materials with shocking images. There's also Geoengineering Watch hoodies to go with our new Geoengineering Watch shirts. Both very high quality four color images on both sides. Image of a military tanker descending down over the planet, spraying a dimming sun in the background with this caption in large red letters, stop climate engineering, investigate, 
and below that, geoengineeringwatch.org, so that people have a credible source of data to go to to continue their investigation. Scannable business cards and bumper stickers, all effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue, or at minimum to plant a seed of awareness. Waking the masses to the climate engineering issue is the great imperative of our time. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out. We must awaken our military brothers and sisters to what they're participating in. We must awaken their families to what they're participating in, their own demise and ours. If you're willing to share a picture of yourself with a geoengineering watch t-shirt or a hoodie, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, or busy street downtown, somewhere public, please send us your photo so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. These images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. This battle is a team effort. If we can awaken the masses, we could yet alter the equation. We could cause a shockwave around the world. And I want to express my deepest gratitude, as I do every week, to all those that are steadfastly committed to this must-win fight for all that matters. This is the biggest single hole in the bottom of the boat. If we don't fix this, the boat goes down. All other causes and concerns are then moot. Stay tuned for input on how to make your voice heard in this all-important battle. Moving on from Axios.com, the climate wrecking ball striking food supply. The report says why it matters. The recent global heat wave, deadly floods across China, grain belt, and wildfires that span several continents have put a spotlight on how climate change may wreak havoc on the world's most consumed food crops. The big picture. Studies show that future climate projections indicate significant reductions in crop yields. No, that's here now. And what part is missing from this report? The obvious part that no one is allowed to talk about ongoing climate engineering operations that are systematically hammering agricultural producing regions. Report on this week after week after week. And it seems in first world nations, so many will not face reality until there's nothing left to eat on the market shelf. And that time is far closer than almost any dare to imagine. From Dakota News, drought conditions, high temperatures could threaten corn harvest. Again, on the same theme, the combination of high temperatures and dry conditions came at a bad time for farmers. Corn was in the peak of its pollination season at the most important window of crop production again and again and again. We see high-pressure heat dome frying the crops, flash drought, flash flood, flash hailstorms, over and over and over, and still the whole of the so-called climate science community pretending that this is just nature acting poorly. No, no, it's much, much bigger and deeper and darker than that. From Reuters.com, Mexican official says U.S. refuses to cooperate on GM corn studies. That report says a Mexican government official said a sign that the two sides could be inching closer to a formal trade dispute. Mexico, to their credit, has had enough of genetically modified corn. Finally, it's about time, and U.S. is trying to shove it down their throat. Yet more problems with food supplies coming. Wait and see. From Wired.com, this scorching summer is taking a toll on your favorite foods. From that report, a perfect storm of extreme weather and war have hit northern hemisphere crops like wheat, peaches, and olives. Welcome to the increasingly precarious future of food. They say the extraordinary heat domes. How many times have I brought that up? That have clamped down on parts of the U.S. aren't only making life miserable for people, including city dwellers, without adequate indoor cooling and farm workers that are forced to work outdoors. The relentless heat is also harming crops, slowing growth, reducing yields, and undermining harvest. 
For those that don't know, photosynthesis stops at 104 degrees, slows down to that point, stops completely at 104 degrees, and even before that, VPD, vapor pressure deficit, massive factor in forest die-off and crop reduction, that means there's not enough atmospheric humidity in, in certain regions. We have the intense UV radiation and the stomata on crops and trees, the respiratory ports on these forms of flora shut. They don't absorb carbon. They don't release oxygen. They begin to die slowly. And that is absolutely occurring. VPD, vapor pressure deficit. From WTNH.com, expert says, all beech trees in Connecticut will die. The report then says, arborists suggest that this disease could wipe out not only every beech tree in the state, but every beech tree in the entire country. What is the underlying problem here? Intense UV radiation and toxic rain. Toxic metals killing soil microbiome, killing root systems, starting with aluminum, highly toxic to all life forms, period. And no one in so-called academia will acknowledge that fact. They blame it on the symptom and not the core causal factor. Just like the beetles that are killing the trees in the western U.S., they are only a symptom. No official source will admit to that. They won't admit to the underlying cause, which leads right back to climate intervention operations and all the destruction they are reeking on what's left of the web of life on planet Earth. From AccuWeather, hundreds of teenagers are falling ill from heat wave and World Scout Jamboree in South Korea. It's all over the world, and Americans know nothing about any of it. Hundreds of teenage boy and girl scouts have fallen ill at a global event in South Korea as a sweltering heat wave swept the country, angering some parents who have called for the 12-day event to be canceled. Here's another from AccuWeather. Most children in South Asia are exposed to extreme high temperatures. Nearly half a billion children in South Asia are exposed to extreme high temperatures as life-threatening heat waves caused by the climate crisis continue. Again, omission of climate engineering makes all of these headlines deception by omission, period. From Bloomberg.com, baseball-sized hail makes ensuring solar and wind farms pricier. Extreme weather events complicated the fight against global warming. The Scotts Bluff Solar Farm in western Nebraska was built to withstand most hailstones, but the icy pellets that rained down... Earlier this year were bigger than baseballs. The hail, part of a larger pattern of severe storms, heat, and other extreme weather fueled by climate change, smashed the bulk of the Scotts Bluffs glass panels designed to power more than 650 local homes. Been over this over and over that climate intervention operations are decimating all three primary forms of so-called alternative energy. And this is just one more factor. Massive Baseball-sized hailstones annihilating solar panels, not just in solar farms like this, but on houses, annihilating roofs, windows, cars. This is just one more climate engineering nail being hammered into our collective coffins. Chemical ice nucleation for weather modification, part of the snowpocalypse scenario, part of the flash hailstorms, flash surface cooldowns. Search the engineering winter section at the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn more. From recorder.com, this. With swings from drought to flooding, northeast region reeling from, quote, weather whiplash. Term we hear often now, isn't it? New Englanders know their weather is unpredictable, but going from 14 inches of rain two years ago to just 2.9 inches last year, back to 14 inches this year is far from normal for the region. Nothing normal. No normal weather at this point. Entire system is been completely derailed next same theme parallel headline this one from severeweather.europe.eu a scorching heat wave re-intensifies into southwestern europe temperatures up to 45 degrees c 
are coming for Spain with heat also forecast to spread into Western Europe. The last three weeks have been something to remember across many parts of Europe from extreme heat and wildfires in Spain, Italy, and Greece to record-breaking marine heat waves in the Mediterranean, then multiple destructive severe weather outbreaks with several tornadoes. A new European hailstone record fits into everything I've tried to point out, chemical ice nucleation at the bottom of that Scenario: There were also windstorms and ending with historic floods in Slovenia. Summary, weather warfare further fueling an already collapsing climate system. From MSN.com, drought hit Panama Canal must, quote, adapt or die as water levels drop. More shipping woes coming. Wait and see. From PHYS.org, water stressed Iraq dries up fish farms. Aquaculture, fish farming, doomed from the start. Most toxic fish you can eat, farm salmon. More attempts of the human race to save itself from itself. Moving on from Reuters.com. Lake Titicaca is drying up as heat wave turns winter upside down. South America's largest lake is slipping away as brutal heat wave wreaks havoc on the southern hemisphere's winter. From AP News. Bark beetles are eating through Germany's Harz Forest. Climate change is making matters worse. The tiny insects have been causing outsized devastation to the forest in recent years with officials grappling to get the pest under control before the spruce population is entirely decimated. That's what's coming. Beetles are only a symptom of core problems that can be completely connected to climate intervention, the contaminated soils, contaminated rain, decimated ozone layer, disrupted hydrological cycle, none of it being admitted by so-called official agencies. Doubling down on denial, the tale of the human race. Why are so many so unwilling or unable to face reality, which is in and of itself an existential threat? In his book, In Times, A Brief Guide to the End of the World, journalist Brian Walsh details eight existential risks to humanity. As Walsh explains, the available heuristic is the human tendency to be overly influenced by what feels most visible and salient in our experience. Because we don't have experience dealing with existential risks, the available heuristic causes us to ignore them. Our ability to see beyond the narrow boundaries of human history means that we suffer from a blind spot that can leave us vulnerable to an array of lethal near-term existential risks. Another aspect of psychology that prevents us from addressing existential risks is our inability to scale up the concern we feel for one human compared to hundreds of millions or billions of people. Humans have an incredible capacity for empathy for one identified victim. In fact, we generally feel even more empathy for the suffering of one person than we do for a group of people. Even though logically, we should care about the plight of multiple people more than the plight of one person. In psychology, this bias is called the identifiable victim effect. And its corollary is psychic numbing, the inability to feel emotion for the suffering of large groups of people. Due to psychic numbing, our empathy actually erodes as the potential death toll increases or grows. The effect heuristic refers to our tendency to make decisions based on how we feel rather than through reasoned analysis. Human beings are, in general, not good at evaluating risk, especially existential risk. All too often, we rely on feeling rather than fact. We privilege and prioritize emotional memories over hard numbers. Our reliance on emotional memories to assess risk 
prevents us from appropriately preparing for existential risks for which we have no experience and therefore no basis for emotional memory. Available studies and research has determined that sympathy can begin to fade as soon as we're presented with two needy people rather than one. Counterintuitively, instead of concern and our willingness to act increasing as the size of a potential catastrophe grows, it can actually contract and decrease. The psychic numbing factor makes it that much more difficult to come to grips with existential risks of any sort, including the ones that we now face, like nuclear war and climate collapse, which are the result in so many ways of our own actions, or rather, lack of them. Instead of being motivated to prevent global catastrophes, we prefer to ignore them. And if we can't first accept those risks, we can't do anything about them. The epidemic of denial surrounding the shockingly obvious climate engineering operations is a stellar example of such psychic numbing and apathy. Psychic numbing is especially pronounced if we have no connection to the people at risk. For this reason, we're even more numb to the potential suffering of future lives than we are to people alive today. This scenario is most relevant in regard to one risk in particular, Earth's collapsing life support systems, because the vast majority of the victims will be among future generations that, if we remain on the current course, will never be. So many that fill the ranks of government and academia have no idea what to do because they have so far failed to find the courage to even face reality, let alone to actually take any meaningful steps to alter our current course of mathematically certain near-term self-annihilation. Is the horizon really that dark? Yes and no. Yes in regard to unfolding events. No in regard to how we choose to deal with those events and how we choose to play our part in this unfolding drama. That's up to each of us alone. The greater the challenge, the greater the opportunity for inner growth. That in most cases doesn't occur any other way. If we each decide at our core to use the time we have in the best and most benevolent way possible, if we each decide at our core that we're here for a reason and that It's within our power to fulfill that destiny, a.k.a. the part in the play we have been given by our Creator. Then the story ends well, no matter what comes. Every single day matters at this juncture. What we choose to do or not to do, all of it matters. Let's make our time count. And if we do, collectively, we could yet make a difference even at this late hour. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific details on how you can help to move this fight forward. Please, make your voice heard. Make every day count. It's up to each of us to decide at our core to refuse to go silently into the night, to struggle against the fading of the light. No one can take our will, ever. Never forget that. Let's stand immovable against the gathering storm. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org.